Thank you, Jeremy and Barton, for that great update on compassion. We're going to transition now into a time of scripture reading and prayer. This morning, we'll be reading from Psalm 23. So if you have an opportunity, grab your Bible, grab your device, and head over to Psalm 23 with me. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All right, before we come to introduce our new sermon series, let's just quickly talk about the Ask Anything series. I am so excited about this. Questions have been pouring in this past week, and I may just be a little bit nervous about it as well, but we're going to have a lot of fun in fall as we talk about questions that you are asking us to speak on. So, of course, if you're part of the Central Family, this is for you. If you've got questions, make sure that you click, go on our website, click on the link, or use our social media. Uh, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Central Baptist, and ask your questions. We're going to get all kinds of questions in here so we can see what are the main questions people are asking. But also, if you're part of our Central Baptist family, what we really want to encourage you to do is to talk with friends, with colleagues, with neighbors maybe about this. Maybe you've had spiritual conversations in the past with them, and you can have a follow-up here where you could say, hey, you know what our pastors are doing at our church this fall? They're going to take on any question that you might have about God, Christianity, the Bible, the church, anything like that. So show them how to, send them the link, maybe show them on social media, share the post with them or something like that, and then encourage them to fill it out. So that's, of course, where we're going for this fall. Going to be great fun, a little bit scary, uh, but that's our series, Ask Anything, a sermon series that is based entirely on your questions. As we come to the message now, we are done, Romans chapter 8, pretty incredible, uh, to be finished all those sermons, and what I want to do now is to just do a little two-part series working through Psalm 23. If Romans 8 is a pretty famous passage, Psalm 23, I think, is probably far above that even. Uh, there is no question that Psalm 23 is probably the most beloved of all the Psalms. Uh, not as the, only the most beloved, it's probably the most famous chapter in all of the Bible. Listen to what one historian wrote about Psalm 23. He said, Psalm 23 has sung courage to the army of the disappointed. It has poured balm and consolation into the hearts of the sick, of captives in dungeons, of widows in their pinching grief, of orphans in their loneliness. Dying soldiers have died easier as it was read to them. Ghastly hospitals have been illuminated. It has visited the prisoner and sung him back to his home again. Here's the thing about Psalm 23, though. 
if you and I are going to really experience the power of this psalm, to know why it really is one of the most beloved passages in all of Scripture, we have to really change our mindset as to what Psalm 23 is really all about. Because I think a lot of us don't have quite the right picture, and so we're not fully experiencing what Psalm 23 is meant to do. Here's what I mean. Just in your mind right now, imagine a scene where Psalm 23 is being read. Where, where are you imagining that right now? If Psalm 23 is being read, where are you in this moment? I'm guessing that you are imagining a funeral. And a funeral is a great place to read Psalm 23. However, what I want to show you is that Psalm 23 is not primarily about death, but about life. Psalm 23 is not primarily about dying. It's actually about teaching us how to live. It's about living. So this is the kind of paradigm shift that I want to have is not to just put Psalm 23 into a funeral setting, as good as that is, but to realize this is for the living. This is for people as we're going through hardship, as we're going through difficulty. This psalm is meant to soothe your difficult soul. This psalm is meant to bring you peace amongst hardship. It is meant to fill you with confidence as you and your heart sing along with it because this is a psalm, which means a song. A psalm is a song. So this is a song that was sung, and this song as it was sung was meant to fill everyone who sings it with confidence, with assurance, with comfort. I mean, just listen to the kind of language throughout the psalm. I shall not want... He restores my soul. I will fear no evil. You are with me. You comfort me. So my prayer for this, this morning's message is that this psalm would so speak to your heart that your heart would rise up in song to God. That as you look forward into the future, this psalm would give you assurance and confidence that the Lord is your shepherd. And then, of course, what we're going to do today is we're going to look back and see how God has been the faithful shepherd. And all this is meant to produce a confidence in the believer that you can trust God with every step of your journey. So to that end, today I just want to simply look at verses 1 to 3. Then next week we're going to look at verses 4 to 6. So today I just want to talk about three things. First of all, we're going to talk about the shepherd. Second, the sheep. And then third, how the shepherd cares for the sheep. Let's begin then by simply looking at the shepherd. Look with me at verse 1 where it simply says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That little phrase... That could be a psalm all by itself. There is so much in those words, so much comfort, so much confidence, particularly kind of the juxtaposition between the phrase, the Lord and is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. This, putting these together, is what fills the believer with confidence to trust God in every part of our lives. So let's just in this first point then reflect just simply on the words, the Lord. That's the Lord who is our shepherd. Now, 
If you've been at Central for a little while, uh, you'll have heard me do this before, but this is so important. Whenever you look at uh, your Old Testament and you see the word Lord, like we have right here, notice that Lord is capitalized. All the letters are capitalized. Now that's telling you something. The translators are trying to tell you that this is not Lord as in a title, like your lordship. That's not what it means here. We're not referring to God as, you know, master, the Lord. That's not what it means. When it's capitalized, it is referring to the personal name of God. The personal name of God. And the translators are translating as Lord because the ancient Jews did not believe that you could pronounce the actual name of God. And so they were were told to say Adonai rather than the actual name of God, which is Yahweh. They did not want to pronounce Yahweh, so they used Adonai, which meant Lord. And that's how we get this into our translations now. But the translators want you to know that when you see it capitalized, it is referring to God's personal name, which is Yahweh. This is the name that God gave to Moses at the birth burning bush. This is the name that God gave to his covenant people of Israel. And in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, whenever someone gives their name, it's not just like you and I today, like I've joked with you before that my name, it really has no meaning at all. It means like from a barley town. There's no great name. It's not like my friends, my brother's Richard, which is something like lion-hearted and, you know, I don't even know. I got the name Barton, and it just simply means like from a barley town. There's no meaning to it. It doesn't tell you anything about me. It's just my name. Not so in the Old Testament. Names are meant to reveal something about the nature of the person, their character, what they're like, what they're all about. And when God revealed his name Yahweh to Moses, to bring Moses in as the people of God, Moses and all the Israelites, he was trying to tell them something about what he's like. The name Yahweh, I am who I am, refers to the fact that God is self-existent. That is, that unlike you and I, God does not depend on anybody for life. He existed, he exists, and has always existed by himself in the sense that he doesn't need an outside force to give him life. He doesn't need water. He doesn't need food. He doesn't need air. He is completely self-existent. But it's not just that he's self-existent. He goes on when he talks to Moses, and immediately when he gives him his name, He puts it in the context of what he is going to do for Israel. And what he's going to do is to deliver them out of the land of Egypt. He's going to bring them into the promised land. And right after he gives his name, he ties his name with a promise saying, quote, I will be with you. So God's name Yahweh then means the self-existent God who is with us and for us. This great being, this self-existent being is with us and for us. That is who our shepherd is. Our shepherd is the God who is with us and for us. And of course, we most clearly see this. David, as the psalm writer of this, could not even comprehend the depths of which we know this who live on this side of the cross. For now we truly see in Jesus that God truly is the one who's with us and for us. For you remember... When the angel appeared to Mary and told her that she was going to conceive and give birth to a son, the angel did not allow Mary or Joseph to name Jesus. They weren't allowed to pick the name for their son. Oh no, God said, 
His name is to be Jesus. God wanted to make sure he was named properly because Jesus' name tells you everything about who he is and what he is all about. So what does the name Jesus mean? Jesus means Yahweh saves or Yahweh to the rescue. So in Jesus, the God-man, we get the name Yahweh says. What is he all about? He is all about the fact that the self-existent God who is with us and for us is showing this and that he has come to save us. Jesus' very name reveals the great character and the nature of God. So that's why I say, just this first verse, this first phrase, there is so much comfort, there is so much peace for us as God's people, just in who the shepherd is. For the shepherd is the self-existent God who is with us and for us. So that's the shepherd. Now let's come in the second place, let's talk about the sheep, the sheep. If Yahweh is our shepherd, that's the big metaphor here, then of course, what does that make us? It makes us his sheep. Notice, we are not grizzly bears who can take care of ourselves and defend ourselves against all attackers. We are not lions who can face anything without fear. We're filled with courage and strength. We're not even like dogs or house cats who have some great traits but maybe are a little weaker than grizzly bears and lions. We don't even get to be a house cat. No. What do we read here? We are sheep. <laughs> now, I, I know I'm talking to, by and large, a urban audience. And so, really, this does not hit us like it ought to because not many of us really hang around sheep very much. Let's be honest. There's a couple I've seen out way out in Machosan, but even then, I don't really see sheep very often. When we think of sheep as urban people, we think, ah, those cute little fluffy creatures. You just want to cuddle them. They're so cute. God is not saying in Psalm 23 that we're just so cute and adorable that he can't stand it. That's not what's going on. To be called a sheep, hear this, it's not really much of a compliment. To be called a sheep reveals the true nature of what it means to be a human being and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And by and large, it's not really a compliment. It's just a fact. It's just a whole lot of truth. You see, here's the thing about sheep. Sheep are the neediest creatures, really, almost on the planet. If they're, let me give you some examples. If they're not herded, like with uh, a shepherd or with dogs or something like that, sheep will just sit in one area, they'll chew all the grass in the area right down to the nubs, and then they'll just stay there. They won't even think to move on to better grass. They'll just sit there and they'll eventually die if they're left. So they need somebody to shepherd them because they're kind of too dumb to move on. They're also very easily scared. I read a funny little story about a uh, woman who went to visit a shepherd and she brought her little puppy with her. And you know, these little dogs, they're often yappy. And this dog just started yapping at the sheep, at the herd. And this entire herd went completely berserk. They freaked out. 300 sheep just lost their minds because a tiny little puppy started yapping at them. That's what sheep are like. Furthermore, sheep can't even take care of themselves. There's a man named Philip Keller. 
not Tim Keller, who we uh, often quote here, but Philip Keller. Philip Keller uh, was a shepherd, an actual shepherd, and he writes about the common problem of sheep rolling over onto their back. Apparently, this is called a cast sheep. And here's what he writes. A cast sheep is a very pathetic sight. Lying on its back, its feet in the air, it flays away, frantically struggling to stand up without success. Sometimes it will bleed a little for help, but generally it lies there lashing about in frightened frustration. If the owner does not arrive on the scene within a reasonably short a time, the sheep will die. It's no wonder that we are called sheep, for are we not exactly like this? We make such a mess of our lives so easily, how easily we are scared, how quickly anxiety takes over our hearts and fears about what's going to happen, about the future, and fears about what's going on right here and now. We often find ourselves on our back, in other words, in helpless positions where we don't even know what to do in life and we cannot control our lives so that we can fix everything around us. We desperately need a shepherd. And Psalm 23 says that we don't just have a shepherd. We have the shepherd. We don't just have a shepherd who's like a little bit stronger than us, a little bit wiser than us. No, no, no. Our shepherd is none other than Yahweh, the I am who I am, the self-existent God who has so much power. He needs no one and nothing to give him life. He has all power in heaven and on earth. He created the heavens and earth. He is the one who destroyed the armies of Pharaoh. He is the one who led Israel across the wilderness and brought them safely to the promised land. This God, Yahweh, the God who is with us and for us, this God is the shepherd of all God's people. Jesus, Yahweh, the one who has all authority in heaven on earth, this is our shepherd. Oh, what hope there is for our hearts when we really feel and know that we are sheep. Sometimes we're deluded, we forget we're sheep, we think we're lions, but reality comes crashing back in and we realize we're sheep. What hope here that we have a shepherd. And notice the intimate language. It's not the Lord is our shepherd. That's not what it says. That's true. He's the shepherd of all God's people. No, look at the personal, intimate language that David gives. The Lord is my shepherd. He cares about each of his sheep individually. That's also important to recognize because this text is also saying to us, that this does not apply to everyone without exception. No, God is not everyone's shepherd. Yahweh was the shepherd to Israel, to God's people in the Old Testament. Jesus is the great good shepherd as he called himself, but Jesus is not everybody's shepherd. For instance, Jesus said these words one day to his critics. He said, they said to him, if you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So according to Jesus, you noticed in that passage, 
Not everyone is a sheep of Jesus. Not everyone is part of his flock. How do you know if you're part of his flock? Well, this is what he said. He said, you hear his words, you believe in him, and you follow him. What were Jesus' words all about? They were that we are sinners, that Jesus alone can save us. There is only one Savior from sin, and we are to cast ourselves upon him, saying, Jesus, save us, rescue us. And when we do that, he promises to do that, to save us, and then we spend the rest of our lives following our shepherd wherever he leads us. So I ask you today, have you done that? Have you called upon Jesus? Have you said, Jesus, save me? And are you now seeking to follow him? That's how you know if you're one of his sheep, so that you get all the benefit of this psalm. Without Jesus Christ, you don't have a shepherd. You're a sheep all on your own. But we need a shepherd. We need to be brought into his fold. And so as we read in the New Testament, Jesus is that shepherd who goes after the one lost sheep and he brings it back, and, and there's great rejoicing when anyone comes into the kingdom. Let me just put this a different way that hopefully really makes this point clear. I want you to notice that the only way you get to Psalm 23 about the Lord is my shepherd is you first got to go through Psalm 22. Psalm 23 is put where it is put in the Psalter, the book of Psalms, for a reason. You got to first go back to Psalm 22. And what's Psalm 22 all about? Psalm 22 is the great psalm about the cross of Jesus Christ. It is all about how Jesus hung there upon the cross and he took the punishment that we deserve. He was forsaken by the Father. And so when he was on the cross, he quoted Psalm 22 and verse 1, which says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, it's our sin that will bring us eventually, if we do not repent of it, to be forsaken of God. But Jesus went to the cross and was forsaken of God so that no one might have to know what that means to be forsaken of God. He went to the cross so you and I would never have to know that terrible experience of God himself turn his back upon us. He suffered and died so that you might never experience it if you will receive him into your life. As the great Baptist preacher in the 19th century, Charles Spurgeon, put it, he says, there are no green pastures or still waters before Psalm 22 in the book of Psalms. It's only after you've gone through the cross, through Psalm 22, that you arrive at Psalm 23 and can have, the Lord is my shepherd and all the green pastures and still waters that come with it. You must first believe in him as the one who can rescue you from your sin Without Psalm 22, you can't have Psalm 23. So I ask you, do you know Jesus as your shepherd? Come to him today, and he will receive you. All right, that's the shepherd, that's the sheep. Now in the final place, let's get really practical, and let's talk about how the shepherd cares for his sheep. How the shepherd cares for his sheep. As David reflects on the fact that Yahweh is his shepherd, it begins to change him. Uh, he looks at all of his problems. He looks at all of his issues, and he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, when he says, I, will, I shall not want, what's he saying? He's saying, I don't lack anything. Uh, the, uh, God has given me all I need. He's not saying God's made me a multimillionaire as if all my desires came true. But he's saying, when I look back at my life, I see that the shepherd has led me. I'm confident I see that. Now when I look forward at my life, I can say I can be confident. The Lord is my shepherd. I, don't ha- I will not lack anything. Now that's really important. An author, a previous pastor named James Boyce, puts it like this. Left to themselves, sheep lack everything. They are the most helpless animals. But if we belong to the one who is self-sufficient, inexhaustible, and utterly unchanged by time, that is the self-existent to God, we will lack nothing. He is sufficient for all things and will provide for us. So now that David's got this in his mind, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What he does now is he goes on and reflects upon three areas of his life, three areas of all of our lives, where Jesus, where, well, not for him, for us Jesus, but for him, Yahweh, where Yahweh has been his shepherd and has cared for him so that he has not lacked in anything. So let's look at these three areas. First, we see in verse 2 that since Yahweh, or Jesus on this side of the cross, is our shepherd, we will not lack rest. Rest for our souls. This is what he's saying in verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. What an image. Lie down in green pastures. Leads me beside still waters. Now, here's the thing again. I think for those of us living on the West Coast, on the one hand, we totally do not get what's going on here. But on the other hand, we of all people can understand this the best. Here's what I mean. On the one hand, we cannot really comprehend all that this means. And the reason why, is, of course, is because we live in a very lush and green climate. But if you've ever been to Israel or if you've seen pictures of the Middle East, you know it's pretty dry, it's barren, it's rocky. There's just kind of like patches of grass, not like here where there's grass absolutely everywhere. Uh, even like water sources are rare. They're often seasonal. So you and I can't really comprehend living here on the West Coast what it's like to be in a dry, barren place where water is hard to come by, where grass is hard to come by if you are a sheep. However, if there is anybody in the world who can get, who knows what it means to have a beautiful flowing stream of water that's just pure and clean. If there's anybody who knows what green grass and a lush field looks like, yep, that's us here on the West Coast. Nobody more qualified on the planet Earth than those of us who live really in the second Garden of Eden. That's kind of where we live, in my personal, humble opinion. <laughs> Victoria is an incredible place. So we can picture what this is like in just absolutely incredible ways. So what he's saying here then is that when we go through dry points of life, when we're in barren times of life, when we're struggling a lot, when David looks back at his life, he says, no, when I was in those moments, God provided for me so that I had rest. I did not lack anything. There were hard moments, but he always came through my shepherd. And think about your own life. When I think of mine, I think, oh man, I may have been through, going through a really difficult time. And I just decide, okay, I'm going to read the Bible. 
And some days, you know, you read the Bible and the words just kind of feel like you read them and didn't really hit you. But have you not had those days where you've read it and the words are just, they just instantly provide rest for your soul. You can almost taste the water going down into your parched soul. You can be satisfied. In those moments, that's the shepherd ensuring that you do not lack rest. Or, or maybe you're going through a really hard time and you just are decide, I'm going to listen to some good Christian music. If you're into hymns, maybe it's a hymn, it's modern music, whatever. And somehow that song just speaks to you. And, and, and all that dryness has just got water pouring over and your soul comes to rest. Or you think, I don't really feel like going to church this Sunday or tuning into the live stream in this case. But all of a sudden, it's that Sunday. I've heard this so many times. Someone come up and say something like, were you actually speaking directly to me? Because I feel like that sermon was written exactly for me. And I'm like, no, that's, I, I didn't write that for you. I wasn't even thinking of you at all. But what that is, is that's the shepherd taking the words of Scripture through the preached word and bringing rest to your soul. And of course, one of the great ways God also shepherds us is through other people. When you're going through a very hard time, you don't even feel like you can read the Bible, listen to music, or even listen to a sermon, but somebody comes into your life and they speak a word of encouragement to you and suddenly the weight is lifted. Suddenly the dry ground has a stream flowing through it and there's rest. All of that is God, it's Yahweh, it's Jesus, the good shepherd, bringing rest for your soul. So if you know that experience, then lift up your heart in song like David did and say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Notice also this little language of makes me lie down. Isn't that interesting? He makes us lie down. Philip Keller, that shepherd, he tells us that it's almost impossible to make sheep lie down. And there's a bunch of reasons for this. First, sheep are by, nat uh, by nature, they're very timid creatures. And so they have to be free of all fear. They will not lie down if they're feeling anxious or afraid. Not, not only that, they're kind of social creatures. And so if they're at odds with another sheep, they find it difficult to lie down and to rest. They must also be flee of, free of flies or parasites. And so they won't lie down and relax if they got, they're all feeling itchy and things. And finally, they will not lie down unless they're free from hunger. So they need a shepherd. They need a shepherd who can take care of all these needs for them. And Jesus, as our good shepherd, does this for us. How many times in your life, looking back, has the good shepherd brought you to a stream and enabled you to lie down and to rest after a very hard and long journey? Philip Keller also points out, that in flocks, there is always a few really stubborn sheep. And these sheep cannot wait to get to the watering hole that the shepherd's leading them to. And so they're going along the path, and there'll be a little puddle there. And that one stubborn sheep, instead of waiting a little longer, will drink from that puddle. He'll, of course, get instant gratification. But the problem is, all kinds of uh, flocks have been going down here. And so these puddles are filled with like manure and urine and all kinds of disgusting stuff from other flocks that have gone by. And so there's instant gratification, but then that poor stubborn sheep begins to suffer because he eventually gets riddled with parasites and disease. It's the price he pays for instant gratification and for not following the shepherd. Again, how often have we turned away from God to drink from polluted puddles? What I mean by that, of course, is We've not followed his word. 
We've said, you know what, God? I'm going to try out that sin. I think it tastes pretty great. And let's just be honest. Sin does provide pleasure. Absolutely. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. Sin absolutely provides gratification. But it's only instant gratification. And then it begins to work its way into your system. And you get sick. And that's what sin does to you. But I just think about how patient God has been with me in my life. How many times have I paused at those kind of puddles? How many times do I have to learn the lesson that only God can satisfy, that all of his ways are right? How many times do I have to learn this? And yet the shepherd just keeps leading me, leading me to those streams of flowing water, of pure crystal water that is safe and that is good to drink. So to you, my fellow sheep, you're filled with anxiety, maybe grief, maybe fear, then listen to the voice of Jesus, the good shepherd. Listen to him talk. Here's what he says to you in Matthew eleven twenty eight: Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus is the good shepherd who gives us rest. Now here's another one. Since Yahweh, or Jesus, is our shepherd, we also do not lack life. When he's our shepherd, we don't lack rest, but here now we're going to see we also do not lack life. Look with me at verse 3 where he simply says, he restores my soul. Oh, how many times has he done that for you? Let's think specifically of times maybe where you've fallen into sin and the Spirit is convicting you and you know that moment, it just feels horrible. You're feeling rotten. You're all feeling like, oh man, why did I do that? And you're beating yourself up but you begin to move through the process of repentance. You come before God and you pray in the words of Psalm 51, those famous words, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. And isn't it incredible? How many times does this happen? You're going through this process of repentance. You're remembering Jesus' death on your behalf. And all of a sudden you're feeling your soul has been restored. And your joy begins to return. And you walk again in the strength of the Lord. He restores my soul. And then finally... Since Yahweh, or Jesus, is our shepherd, we also do not lack guidance. We don't lack rest, we don't lack life, and we also do not lack guidance. This is verse 3 where he says these words, He leads me in paths of righteousness, paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So the essence of that is it's the right path. It's the path that you need to walk on. It's the path that God has laid out for you to follow with all of his good commands for your life. They're not there to hurt you. They're there to keep you on the right path. Once again, <laughs> this image just shows us what, we're, what we really are as sheep. We are all just like sheep who are stupid, who are foolish, even when the trail is perfectly marked out for them. Sheep will just stray off the well-worn trail. They'll just start drifting off onto some field, and all oh, there's a cliff, and they're just going to walk right up to the cliff. That's how foolish sheep are. They need a shepherd to protect them. As one commentator says, quote, no other class of livestock, livestock requires more careful handling than do sheep. 
Think of just one area of our lives where we really need the shepherd to give us guidance, and that is the future. We all are, especially during this time of COVID, we're all feeling a little anxious about the future. We're not sure right now. They say there's a, a recession coming. Uh, we're no, we don't know what's going to happen in the second wave. Uh, I don't know about you, but every plan that I have is like, it can only be like a week in advance. Anything farther than that, who knows if it's going to even happen? Who knows where we're going to be in September? I have no idea what we're going to do with school with kids in the fall. Who knows about jobs? We have a lot of fear of the future going on right now. And what we need is guidance we need a shepherd who will guide us each step of the way. And that's exactly what this psalm is saying. He will guide you in the paths of righteousness, that right path of what it means to follow your Savior. How do you know what that path is? Well, first, it's revealed to you in this book, by and large. Here's, here's kind of the, the path to describe where not to go off. But then you say, well, what about situations? I, there's many situations I face that are not in the book. So you need wisdom. You need discernment. And James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to you. Friends, as we continue through COVID-19, let's continue to follow our shepherd, making sure we're living for him and his glory. There are many things we cannot understand, but let us make sure we stay on that path. Allow the good shepherd's words to keep you on that path. Allow other people to help keep you on that path so that you continually follow him. Look back at your life, especially those of you who are older. This is, this, here's something I love. I love talking to older Christians because almost without fail, They'll look back at their lives and say, I have, I have no idea how I arrived at where I am. God led me every step of the way. There were many moments where I, know I couldn't even see the shepherd. I did not know what the shepherd was doing. But as they look back, they can see it. Even at my age now, I can look back, I can see certain things. I'm like, wow, he, he led me through that path. He, uh, he, he allowed me to, to learn some hard lessons along this part. He, but he kept me on the path of righteousness, and he led me to where I am today. And so if you look back, you can see, like David is here, how confident you can be that the Lord is your shepherd, that he will lead you in the right paths. And if you can do that looking back, now put that onto the future. You can trust him with your future. He's not going to tell you what's going to happen 20 years from now. He's asking you to just take every day, every hour, and follow him each step of the way. So those are the three areas where when David reflects on, on Yahweh as his shepherd, he, he realizes he does not lack anything because the shepherd brings him rest, the shepherd brings him life, and the shepherd guides him. I was trying to think of a way to put all this together, and I think one of the most masterful ways to understand Psalm 23 in a modern context is through a great song written by Leonard Bernstein. Leonard Bernstein, the great composer, conductor of the New York Philharmonic, uh, a great pianist, he wrote what are called the Chichester Psalms. And in the second movement of those psalms, he reflects exactly on Psalm 23. And what he does with his great orchestra is he, he combines Psalm 23 with Psalm 2. And by doing that, Psalm 23 just becomes all the more glorious, and you see why it's so glorious. 
Psalm 2, first of all, before we talk about Psalm 23. Psalm 2 is all about the kings of the earth and the peoples of the earth raging against God and turning their backs on him and especially turning their backs on God's anointed one, the Messiah, who, of course, is Jesus. It's the nations raging and all this stuff. That's Psalm 2. But back to Psalm 23. Here's how the second movement of of the Chichester Psalms begins. It begins with, uh, well, it really begins exactly as you would expect. How, How would you imagine a song about Psalm 23 to begin? What kind of music? Would it be loud? Would it be quiet? I'd imagine you would imagine to yourself something serene. And that is exactly how Bernstein begins it. There's a boy countertenor who's meant to be the shepherd boy, David. And this boy sings a beautiful melody. There's a harp quietly playing in the background. Soprano voices echo him as he sings, Adonai, Roi, Lo, Echar, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he continues on singing like this, and he sings all the very, the comforting parts of Psalm 23. He comforts me, goodness and mercy shall follow me. The whole beginning of the, of the song, it's, it's peaceful, it's serene, it's soothing. Then suddenly, out of nowhere, the boy's voice is abruptly interrupted by the orchestra. The first time I heard it, I actually jumped in my, in my chair. I was so scared because you're doing three minutes of quiet, serene, besides still waters, and all of a sudden just bam, all of a sudden cymbals are clashing. All the music sounds chaotic. It's going together. And then loud male voices begin to sing Psalm 2. Quote, the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. The whole song just kind of sounds, sounds like it's out of control, just like our lives. But then in the background, quietly it begins to build. Again, the boy countertenor begins to sing, Adonai, Roi, Lo, Ekar, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And gradually the boy's voice grows louder and all of the great powerful male voices begin to fade. The orchestra begins to fade and all that is left is the beautiful melody of the boy's voice singing, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is what Psalm 23 is meant to do in the lives of all of God's people. We all know the chaos. We know the trouble. All these things that go on in our lives, everything's chaotic and we cannot discern it. But as we reflect on the Lord as our shepherd, we begin to remember that the one who is our shepherd is none other than the self-existent God who is with us and who is for us. The self-existent God who is with us and for us and came to save us, to rescue us through Jesus Christ. And we begin to reflect on he's the shepherd. He's the one that's led me all this way. Many times I did not sense him, but when I look back I can see him. And then as I begin to look forward now, I can have confidence that he who led me this far shall bring me safely home. This is the message of Psalm 23. To come and to rest in your shepherd. So I ask you, what specific areas today do you need to rest in? 
Do you need to just say, Jesus, I need you, the good shepherd. I need you and all your power. I need you to help lay me down, for I've got a lot of chaos and trouble in my heart today. Don't run away from him. Come to him. For as G.K. Chesterton had once famously said, when belief in God becomes difficult, the tendency is to turn away from him. But in heaven's name, turn away to what? Where will you turn? (laughs) To yourself? That's where the chaos is from within. To other people, maybe they're the ones you're in conflict with. Out to the world? No, the world's the thing that's giving you all the problems. There's so much difficulty going on. What we need is a power above and beyond this world. But we don't just need a power above and beyond. We need a power that will come in and will care for us in a tender and a gentle way. And that is what Psalm 23 says. For our shepherd is none other than Yahweh, the self-existent God who is with us and for us. Our shepherd is none other than Jesus, the anointed one, whose name means the God who is with us and for us has come to save us. Oh, the tender heart of Jesus for his people. You can trust him with your future. He's led you this far, and he will lead you home. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this psalm. I pray for anyone and everyone, whatever we're going through right now, whoever's watching this and all the chaos, the trouble that might be going on in their lives, I pray that you would lay them down in green pastures, that you would lead them beside those quiet waters, that you would restore their souls. Jesus, show yourself to be the good shepherd that you are. Help us to see that, for so often we do not. Bring comfort. Do this for your people, we pray. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.